Hello and welcome. This is Perspective for Parents. My name is Nick Thompson, and this is a podcast for parents of adolescents. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If your child plays video games, have you ever asked them why they play the games that they do? Most often, when our youth are into video games, they just get described as gamers. And the story, or the description, ends there. But what type of gamer are they? What do they get out of it? What's their motivation for spending their time playing certain types of games? Now, for parents of youth who feel their kid games way too much, there is often a hesitancy or a downright refusal to ask about, to explore, to better understand their interest or motivations for playing the games that they do. And this parental avoidance to better understand these gaming motivations may be due to the parent not knowing all that much about video games in general. And if this is you, you may be thinking, I don't know anything about video games, so I won't have anything to offer on the topic. But if that's the case, that can be the best place to start from. Because you don't know anything about today's video games, this can be a good thing. Because this means that your child, well, they get to be the expert and they get to educate you on this interest of theirs. But what I often see is another reason many parents avoid this exploratory conversation. And that reason is because they worry that their interests will come off as encouraging their child's excessive gaming habits. But in this episode, I want to encourage parents to be more curious about their child's gaming. Not in an effort to encourage excessive gaming, but instead to better understand their child. So, if you're concerned about the amount of time your child spends gaming, here's some good news. If you can gain a better understanding of your child's motivation to play certain games, you may then be able to have a conversation with them about how they can access these interests, these motivations, without using a screen and game controller. And to help parents who may not understand their child's specific motivations or interests in certain types of games, I am going to share a helpful framework that will make these motivations a bit more clear. So the framework or classification is something called the Bartle Taxonomy of Player Types. And here's a really cool thing about this. As you listen to these player types, there's a really good chance that you will recognize recognize or relate to one or more of these categories, even if you don't play video games. Okay, so the Bartle Taxonomy of Player Types is a classification of video game players based on a 1996 paper by Richard Bartle. And what this classification does is it uses character theory to better understand the psychology of why people play the games that they do. How I see it is that this classification framework helps to make sense of what someone gets out of playing certain types of games. So this taxonomy of player types consists of four characters, and they are achievers, explorers, socializers, and competitors. And to break each one of those down a bit more, I'm going to use a resource I found online from Amy Jo Kim. A link for this helpful information will be in the show notes. Okay, so Amy describes these character types as, first, competitors. Competitors are motivated by testing their skills and seeing how they stack up against other players. Competitors love to develop their skills, showcase their prowess, and know where they stand within a group. They value mastery, learning, and relationship building via 
competition. Next, collaborators. Collaborators are motivated by working with others towards a greater goal. They love to win together, and they measure success as collective impact. Collaborators enjoy participating in groups and teams and forming partnerships. They value teamwork, shared learning, and relationship building via shared tasks. Next, the third type, expressors. Expressors are motivated by opportunities for self-expression. They love tools and systems that let them personalize their experience, make their mark, and express their uniqueness. They'll use any available tools to make things that others admire and emulate. They value original thought, creativity, hard work, and personal style. They enjoy customizing backgrounds, fonts, and avatars. They seek status, recognition, and influence through creative skill. And finally, there are the explorers. Explorers are motivated by gaining knowledge, exploring boundaries, finding loopholes, and knowing the rules that govern a space. They enjoy accumulating and showing off knowledge. They can enjoy exploring with others, but often it's a satisfying, solitary endeavor. All right. So those were Amy Jo Kim's descriptions of the four types of gamers. And a little more on these types. Most gamers will have traits or connect with more than just one category. However, most gamers will have a type that is more dominant than the others. So, after hearing about each of those categories, take a moment to think about, even if you don't play video games, but think about and ask yourself, which of these personality types do you relate most with? Would you say you see yourself as a competitor, collaborator, expressor, or explorer? The great thing about this framework, about this exercise, is that when used, you can better understand and then personally connect with these different types of gaming motivations. And all of this can help to acknowledge, accept, and maybe even appreciate your child's motivation to play video games. And again, this doesn't mean that you accept, approve of, or appreciate the amount of time your child spends playing video games. Now, if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis, you may know that I'm big on the idea of focusing more on the message and less on the behavior. And this focus on the message approach definitely applies to gaming because when you understand the message or the motivation behind the behavior known as gaming, you will be better able to avoid going to a place of worry, judgment, and reactivity. And instead, you may find that you're more able to have a constructive conversation with your child about having a balanced and healthy relationship with gaming. When I give presentations, I use this one slide that has just this big WTF on it. And when that slide comes up, I say, uh, when you as a parent are thinking WTF about a particular behavior of your child, that's good. Go with it. Because WTF is a great thing to be thinking when you're concerned about a particular behavior of your child. But here's the thing. The WTF I'm talking about is a much different WTF than the one you might be familiar with. The WTF I'm referring to is, what's the function? What's the function of this behavior? And what's the function is just another way of saying, what's the motivation? And when you can connect with the function or motivation, maybe the, the, the payoff, whatever you want to call it, when you can connect with that, you will then be better able to connect with your child. And the connection doesn't need to stop there. Because with your newfound understanding, 
you, as a parent, may be able to connect them with activities, interests, hobbies, projects, or people that provide the same payoff or motivation that their gaming provides. Plus, there's a chance that your child doesn't even fully understand why they play the games that they do. When I work with young people who are into video games, I share this Bartle taxonomy of player types with them. And one of the main reasons I do this is because they're not familiar with it. Often, they haven't really spent that much time considering or reflecting on why it is they prefer to play certain types of games. So not only can this be a great way to connect with them by acknowledging, accepting, and appreciating their interest in video games, but it also provides the opportunity for the young person to better understand themselves, to build an awareness of their own motivations, desires, and abilities. And the hope is that with this newly discovered knowledge of self, you as a parent can then begin to have a discussion about what other avenues or activities are available that line up with your child's motivations. And on that, here are a few ideas for other activities for each of the four player types. I won't be providing a overabundance of activity ideas because I do believe that the consideration and selection of these different avenues or activities, well, this should be done as a creative and collaborative process between you and your child. But here are just a few to get you started. So if your child is a competitor, remember competitors are motivated by testing their skills and seeing how they stack up against others. If this best describes your child, then they might enjoy being a part of a debate club, speech club, or participating in spelling bees. They may also find that learning a martial art can be a great way to develop those skills and showcase their prowess. What else? Maybe they check out what it takes to join mathletes, the science Olympiad, chess club, quiz bowl, or they may be interested in playing an individual sport, such as tennis, golf, track and field, fencing, billiards, swimming, or cycling. All right, up next, collaborators. Remember, collaborators are motivated by working with others towards a greater goal. They love to win together, and they measure success as collective impact. Some ideas for the child who sees themselves as a collaborator are playing a team sport, joining yearbook, student government, robotics, 4-H, Habitat for Humanity, Key Club, joining the Red Cross, Environment Club, Model United Nations, or Mock Trial. And next, Expressor. Some ideas for this one, playing an instrument, joining the band at school, maybe creating their own band, graphic design, baking, cooking, choir, taking an art class, joining the drama club, or an improv group. Maybe it's writing stories, writing poetry, taking a dance class. Just some ideas. And finally, the explorers. Ideas on this one. Reading. Reading books. Lots and lots of books where they can gain knowledge and explore new worlds in a satisfying, solitary endeavor. They can do this on their own. Or maybe they choose to join or create a book club. Or maybe they get into a STEM program. And STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. Or who knows, maybe they want to get into photography. Join a history club, join an outdoor club, get outside, explore, go for a hike. All right. So those were just some ideas. And I hope you found this topic useful. And I hope if you have a child who is a gamer, you take time, if you haven't already, to dig a bit deeper into why they play the games they do. And given the opportunity, introduce this Bartle taxonomy of players with them so that they can build a better understanding about what drives them 
what motivates them. And if that happens, with this shared understanding, you as a parent will have a much better shot at introducing or recommending ways that they can connect with those motivations outside of a screen and be able to find new avenues that will give them real-world access to all those feel-goods. And a close. Quick story. I'm sort of quick. And it isn't about gaming, but I think it relates to what I've shared in this episode. Okay, I was thinking back when I was in elementary school, and I remember that I would, I would sit in class every day and draw battleships. And I would often get caught drawing these ships when I should have been participating in class. But recently, I was looking through this uh, box of stuff from my childhood that my parents kept and eventually gave me. And in this box was a piece of paper with one of those battleships I drew in elementary school. And I noticed something that hadn't really occurred to me. I noticed that, well, yes, it was a drawing of a battleship. And it did have a, a few large cannons and some pretty sweet laser guns on the ship deck. But after looking at it a little more closely, I realized the battleship was just a framework, a blueprint that allowed me to draw, to design that which I was really interested in. The details that I spent the most time on were the layout, the design, the architecture, the floor plan, and the furniture and decor of all the rooms within the battleship. And while looking at this drawing, I counted that I had two cannons and two laser guns, but this battleship also had eight bathrooms, two kitchens, six bedrooms, many with balconies. And not just that, this battleship had a big, beautiful entrance that featured extravagant twin staircases. And this battleship also had a sunroom, ballroom, billiards room. It included a banquet hall, a music hall, a full-court basketball arena, tennis courts, one indoor, one outdoor. It had a library, a wine cellar, a cinema, greenhouse, observatory, arcade, and aquatic center. And I really wish you could see this aquatic center. It had the most beautiful pool, two hot tubs, sauna, and one of the sweetest slides you could ever imagine. And while looking at this drawing, I realized that I was probably just using the framework of a battleship so that if I got caught, I wouldn't be exposed as someone who's passionate about interior design and decor. And I wish, I really wish, someone would have been interested enough to dig a bit deeper into why I was drawing those battleships. Because if that had happened, who knows? I might also have a podcast entitled Perspective for Decor. A podcast focused on interior design, decor, and so much more. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you would like to find more information about this podcast or my upcoming presentations, please check out my website, perspectiveforparents.com. Spelled out, that's perspective, the number four, parents.com. Thanks again. Thanks again.